Hello, Celia Jessen here. You're listening to our future episode. But first, it's time for our theme tune, written by our neighbour's teenage son, Oliver, on his tablet. Oh, welcome to our book club. It's going to be such fun, with book reviews and interviews and japes for everyone. Celia, have you seen my mug? It's there behind the juicer. Get ready for the podcast, Fred. This one's about the future. The future, eh? Oh, perhaps they'll make a robot to replace me. One that could last a hundred years. Well, let's not be too hasty. Oh, well, listen, listen to, to our, our book, book club, club. And, and you, you can, can judge, judge its worth. We taped it in the library, and it's, it's called, called Wife on Earth. Earth. Shh. It's called Wife on Earth. Shh. Hello, Celia here, speaking to you from Milton Library. Welcome to my book club podcast, Wife on Earth, which today is all about the future. <laughs> Sorry, gosh, gosh, how funny that sounds. Me having a podcast, I mean. Well, how inexpressibly modern of me. <laughs> well, I'll be having a, a Celtic tattoo and a, and a latte next. I'm sorry, I'm being silly. <laughs> of course, I won't be doing either of those things. It's more than usually quiet in here today, as it's the Toxborough Half Marathon, and everyone's there watching to see if anyone dies. Last year was a heat wave, and 11 people died. One man dressed as a hot dog before he'd gone 10 paces. But it's lovely and cool here in the library, in the science fiction section. And today we're going to be reviewing The Future Starts Here, a non-fiction book by John Higgs. And we're also going to be looking at the future in general. I'm going to be joined in today's programme by Marianne Crooks, head librarian, local actor Russell Nigels, who needs no introduction. I'm sure you all know Russell, marvellous actor, and my husband Fred, and of course me, and I'm just an ordinary woman. And here comes right on cue our old friend Marianne Crooks, assistant head librarian, unloading a trolley of Isaac Asimov's. Good morning, Marianne. Can you grab a hold of these dicks a minute? Beg pardon? These Philip K. dicks. I've uh, got to make space next to the Samuel R. Delaney's. Uh, yes, of course. Well, gosh, these dicks are heavy. Now, Marion, today's podcast is about the future. I was wondering if you had any opinions about what might happen to libraries in the future. No, not really. No? You don't think they'll be manned by robots with rubber stamps for hands? I doubt that. Or perhaps great works of literature will be available in pill form. Here's your tale of two cities. Take it with a glass of water. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm being silly. Can you pass me those dicks? Oh, oh, yes, here you go. Do you think they'll ever do away with those little cards in the front of the books? Maybe replace them with holograms? More cocks. What? The dicks are bulging, so I've got to make space in the fantasy section. Grab these Michael Moorcocks. Right. Or perhaps there'll be libraries on other planets. Gosh, that would be annoying, wouldn't it? Imagine if you'd borrowed a book from Jupiter and left it behind on Earth. Think of the fines. Give them here. Right, that's that sorted. Now, sorry, what were you going on about? Uh, I was just wondering what you thought might happen to libraries in the future. Well, they'll all be closed down. Right, out of the way, I've got to do the LGBT section next. Ah, yes, that'll be the archive for the Littlington Gentlewoman's badminton team, who are still going strong today. LGBT. What does the beef stand for again? Badminton. Now for a look at today's book. It's The Future Starts Here, Adventures in the 21st Century by John Higgs, published by Orion Book Group 2019. 
First up, it's our famous local actor all the way from Upping Major this time. I'll let him introduce himself, I think. Is that all right, Russell? Sorry. Hello. Russell Nigel's here. You've caught me at an idle moment. Between jobs, as it were. Resting? <laughs> um, I am... Actually, actually, I am, I am pretty bloody desperate so if anyone out, out there has any work of any kind um, if they could drop me a line care of Celia that would be marvellous god knows I'm not fussy I have also recently set up a Patreon account www.patreon slash starving currently standing at zero dollars per month I'm afraid to say so if anyone would care to pledge just, 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 just pledge a few shekels just to keep the wolf from the door I would be enormously grateful um, there, there are a number of rewards a five dollar pledge gets you a signed photo of my good self in character either as Isambard Kingdom Brunel from my acclaimed one man show or as the Sontar and I played in a 1979 episode of Doctor Who for fifty dollars I will come to your house cook you a meal and perform in its entirety the 1991 play Angels in America by Tony Kushner. Uh, but I digress. Um, no, 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 no. I have been, I've been asked to review this book. Um, here it is, the book. It says The Future Starts Here and it is by John Higgs, um, who I believe used to be a producer at Radio 4. So, um, so, um, John, hello, John, if you're, if you're listening to this, and, um, actually, John, if you are listening to this, perhaps you could put in a word for me with any of the old contacts you might have. Um, Toby Swift never replies to my emails, the bastard. <laughs> uh, really is a bastard. So, yes, the book, bookie book, 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 right, um, now, I rather enjoyed this book. Um, this is a book which, which asks the question um, whether we are too pessimistic about what is to come and dares to imagine what might be involved in creating a future utopia in which everyone is enlightened and happy. And it, it rather put me in mind of a time in the early 90s when myself and a small troupe of fellow actors were touring Europe. Um, it was with, with a production of... Um, um, Ray Coon is not now, darling. Um, and we spent a week in a charmingly tiny Swedish village called Edenlid. Now, we were all captivated by this place, which, to uptight Brits like us, seemed a veritable Shangri-La of tolerance, openness and broad-mindedness. Its people were entirely self-sufficient, growing all their own crops, and the whole village was solar-powered. Peace and understanding were taught, and the raising of one's voice was forbidden. The people, all of whom were tall, blonde and beautiful, wore naught but white robes and would walk the pathways of the town singing graceful songs in their own language and offering themselves sexually to anyone who crossed their path. It truly seemed a paradise, and we all wanted to stay forever. Of course, there was a fly in the ointment. It was while investigating chanting coming from the church one night that we discovered the villagers were not only neo-Nazis, but also cannibals. It was only by cravenly hiding in a septic tank while my fellow thespians were slaughtered and creeping away at dawn that I survived to tell the tale. 
Despite all this, I still look back on Edenrith with fondness. For it was there that I received some of the best notices of my life. Thank you and goodbye. What did you think of the future starts here, Marion? If the future did start here, that'd immediately invoke a book amnesty where all past lateness fines would be eliminated, we'd have no income for our planned audiobook upgrade, and no one would take our due back dates seriously ever again we would run out of stock and be forced to close chaos would ensue illiteracy would reign supreme terrible idea two stars out of five what is the planned audiobook upgrade replacing cassettes with an arm implant gosh really no thank you marion and next up it's my husband fred he's perched here on a wheelie stool fred i do hope you firmly engage the lockdown system by seating yourself properly We don't want you shooting off towards foreign languages or pet care mid-sentence, do we, Fred? Is he mic'd up properly, Centre Pardon Martin? Yes. The mic was discreetly secreted on his lapel. Hello. Tell us about The Future Starts Here. Hmm, yes, I'm afraid this book completely baffled me. This chap seems to have a total inability to keep his mind on the subject at hand. He's talking about the sinking of the Titanic, and you're thinking, OK, Squire... Got you, sinking of the Titanic. And then suddenly, he starts going on about Molly Ringwald or Indiana Jones. And you're thinking, have I turned over two pages at once? What on earth have Ms Ringwald or Mr Jones to do with the sinking of the Titanic? But you think, OK, I'll go with the flow. And then, just when you're getting acclimatised to that, he starts banging on about Tunnock's tea cakes or Keanu Reeves. I mean, if I'm reading a book about the Durham Light Infantry, as I generally am, I expect it to concentrate on the Durham Light Infantry, not go off on a tangent about space invaders or Dwayne the Rock Johnson. I think it's supposed to be eclectic, Fred. Well, that's as maybe, but I'm afraid I didn't understand a word of it. One star. Thank you, Fred, for your one star. And finally, it's me. Actually, I've never heard of John Higgs or his book... The future starts here until recently. Georgette Hay is much more my line, but last week I was on the slow train from Lower Upping to Toxborough Central and somebody had left a copy of it on a seat. And I always think it's very kind of people to do that. Anyway, I'd foolishly left my knitting at home, so I picked it up for a leaf through and was immediately hooked. My thoughts about the future are mainly confined to planning rissoles for dinner on Fridays or at a push, considering lightweight slacks for the summer, but this book really made me think. Interestingly enough, John Higgs is terribly positive about the future, the exact opposite of nearly everyone else. Apparently, young people aren't morons on phones. Nature is quite capable of looking after itself, thank you very much. Scientists and artists should work together... And Brighton, in East Sussex, is not an immoral hellhole after all, which was news to me. But I haven't reached the end of this book about the future because I got waylaid. I was settling down with John Higgs's description of what a Star Wars the film poster looks like when Fred called me and broke my reverie. Celia, what time is it? 2.45pm, Fred. Oh, blast! That means the clock on the mantelpiece has stopped again. Shall I try and fix it? 
Oh, better not, Fred. Remember what happened when you fiddled with the novelty doorbell? Now it only plays Deutschland über Alice. I'll nip down to Mr Wilkins' shop. You know, the one, the clock shop. It's called Time Machines. Right here, old girl. I put the clock in a bag for life inside another bag for life, padded top and bottom with seven more bags for life, and thought, why do I have so many bags for lives? What am I, a cat? I also took my pleated skirt to drop off at the dry cleaners and my shopping bag so I could pop to pickles on the way home for a malt loaf. It really is terrific to knock three things to do on the head in one outing. I felt so certain of success, in fact, that... I ticked off all three from my list before setting off. Oh, dear. If only I'd seen into the future at that point, I'd, well, I'd have left my skirt and shopping bag and me at home. When I arrived at Time Machines, there was a sign on the window, back in ten minutes. Bored and frustrated, I leant against the window, and a little leather-cased travel clock caught my eye. A red leatherette Europa with gold Art Deco numbers. It was exactly the same as one that Frank once owned. Frank is my husband Fred's brother. When I first met Fred, I actually preferred his brother Frank. I know it's terrible really me saying it, but even if Fred were listening, he wouldn't mind at all. We all know I ended up with the right one in the end. Frank is now an architect in the French Riviera. Ahem, the little travel clock. Something seemed to be wrong with the second hand. Well, it was just ticking back and forth between the twelve and the next digit, and instead of proceeding on in the, well, in the clockwise direction. How odd, I thought. Well, perhaps it needs a sharp tap with a mustard spoon, or they could try blowing into the mechanism. That worked on my Pifco foot spa for a while, but I'm no expert. As I watched the little hand move back and forth, my head began to fill with a sort of relentless blackness, and I felt a dizziness in my mind. I thought I heard a, the hypnotic sound, the ticking, grow louder and louder, until it all joined up with a whooshing noise. The pages of a calendar were suddenly flying past my head, and then I realised I was travelling in time. Shuzone faded away, replaced by a silver cube selling hover boots. Oh, there was Woolworth's back again, selling space food and, and tea leaves and paper bags, which, let's face it, we'll always need. And as an army of Mrs. Coyles jogged past in, in tinfoil suits, each with a skullcap thing and a coat hanger for an antennae, I realised that I was being transported headlong into the future. I turned back to the red leatherette travel clock, but instead found myself blinking into a jungle oasis. The nearby dwellings were golden domes and the sky was purple. Our wreck ground in the distance was raised above sea level on stilts, like on an album cover. There were bees everywhere. Nature was thriving. I remember thinking, oh, John Higgs will be pleased. The sound of a bustling marketplace attracted my attention. And as I headed towards it, a familiar-looking man with long blonde curls flapping in the breeze emerged from behind a giant daisy. He looked exactly like Frank, but with Michael Fabricant's hair. And instead of roaring about on a Norton motorbike, like Frank used to in our village... This one was striding toward me, with only a diaphanous silver loincloth covering his nethers. Hello, my name is Celia. Greetings. I am Zorn. Zorn? Where am I? We call this place Freedom, but in the old tongue it was known as Lower Upping. Well, is it still Saturday? Yes, but in the year nine million. What, is the library still here? What's... A library. What? You don't know? 
Well, can't you borrow books anymore or sit in the reading part? Oh, no. When we finished a book, we just leave it lying about on the floor. So someone else can read it in a three-and-a-half-hour train delay to upping lower? No. We let them rot away, like leaves or bamboo smartphones. Rot away? Well, that must be expensive. No, we don't use money. Gosh, what do you use? We have a bartering system. One coaster is worth two pounds of potatoes. Coasters? But they come in sets of six. Or three roast dinners, I'd have to kiss them goodbye. What is this kiss them goodbye? That's a figure of speech, that's all. But what is a kiss, really? Oh, don't you know? It's just a thing you can do before you get married. What is married? Gosh, well, you know, it's when two people... Well, they realise they're in love and that's it. Except Fred wanted us to wait until he got a promotion at work. What is work? You don't have work. <laughs> of course not. We live our lives in idle leisure, happily wandering through the grass, enjoying the simple beauties of nature, occasionally stopping to write a poem or perform a brief piece of physical theatre. Crikey, I don't think you'd get on very well with my husband, Fred. The husband of yours. Does he kiss you? Gosh, well, this is getting a little personal. He does give me a peck on the cheek before he leaves for work, of course. I must try this kissing you speak of. But... It'll only take ten minutes. Ten whole minutes? Well, that's ages. Anything could happen. You'll hear tinkling bells. Will I? I didn't know what to do. I stared around at the purple sky and huge flowers and golden buildings. Suddenly, there was the noise of an earthquake, and a huge fissure opened up in the ground before us. Out of it poured hundreds of Mrs. Clacks, covered in dirt and grunting, holding out grubby hands that grasped betting slips and scratch cards. Who are these people? The lower orders. They toil in our underground factories. Occasionally, they escape. I shall deal with this. He made a movement with his hand and a silver bulldozer appeared and swept all the Mrs. Clacks away, and then I fell into his big, strong arms and heard tinkling bells for the first time in years. I'm back as promised. Ten minutes. I don't understand. I'm back as promised. Ten minutes. And Zorn was gone. And Mr. Wilkins was opening time machines and giggling and taking down his ten-minute sign. Now, just give me a second to get the lights on. I followed Mr Wilkins in, mechanically unloading the clock from its nine bags for life. I paid the deposit and headed home, leaving dreams of a future Frank, I mean future Zorn, and me behind. And with the shocking realisation that, well, I missed Woolies more than I knew. I just hadn't known until it had flashed me by and didn't follow me into the future. I thought of future Zorn in his loincloth and strange new world, where everything but kissing had changed, and headed home to get the peas on in time for Fred, who would have finished his jigsaw by now. My pleated skirt would have to wait. It's only a stupid skirt. Perhaps from now on I should get my priorities right. And I thought to myself, the future really does start here. <laughs> Thank you. 
So that concludes our book club reviews of John Higgs's latest book, uh, a total of 36 stars out of 22, a resounding library stamp of approval and worth paying your fines for. And now to end this future episode, over to Fred with his future invention. Good day. I'm Fred Jesson. You know, there are those naysayers and shilly-shalliers who would have us believe that the age of British invention and innovation is over. I am happy to say that these people are wrong, as is proved by the work of the vacuum cleaner man, James Dyson, and, to a lesser extent, the chap who invented the Internet, whose name uh, escapes me for the moment, um, Bernie something. I hope to join them and other such illustrious names, such as Charles Babbage and Alexander Graham Bell, with a device that I have spent the last six months cooking up in my shed. I do not think it an exaggeration to say that my new invention will cause a profound, nay, seismic change in all aspects of society. It is an invention as significant in its way as the antibiotic, the motor car, or the seeded map. Oh, Fred, do get on with it. You're going on and on. Ah, sorry. Getting a tad carried away. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, I present perhaps the greatest invention of the modern age... The workmate mate. You know when you're in your shed or garage and you've just clamped a piece of wood into your workmate and you're holding a chisel with one hand and a tape measure with the other but you've mislaid your hammer. Well, the workmate mate bolts directly onto your workmate and is able to hand you a variety of tools, hammers, drills, screwdrivers, spirit levels and so on with a fully jointed robotic hand made out of fine English oak and all the while uttering such encouraging phrases as Well done, sir. Good job there, old boy. And sad as a pound, me old beauty. Yes, the workmate mate. Now, I have the prototype here. As you can see, it's bolted onto my Black & Decker, so if I can just turn it on. Here we go. Now, <clears throat> please pass me a 7-gauge square recess screwdriver bit. Get stuff. I said... Please pass me a seven-gauge square recess screwdriver bit. Get stuff. What? Stick it where the sun don't shine, turkey. Now look here, I'll thank you to keep a civil tongue in your head. Hi! There's hurling adjustable wrenches. Quick, Celia, behind the sofa. Oh, pull the plug, Fred. Oh, yes. Oh, Fred, your workmate mate was a maniac. Yes, well, it's all my own fault. I shouldn't have bought cheap parts from eBay. Oh, well, back to the drawing board. Mm. All that remains for us to say now is thank you for listening. Do give John Higgs's book a read. H have you read it, Centre Martin Martin? Uh, just one more chapter to go. I've enjoyed hearing about the young people, and I'm really looking forward to finding out how the future ends. Oh, thank you, Martin. Well, in the future, we'll be back with chat rooms versus summer houses, Fred goes viral in a good way, and my first lol. It's very Martin, isn't it? I'll see you all in the future. Goodbye. You can say goodbye if you like, Martin. I'll see This future episode of Wife on Earth was written by Joanna Neary and Joseph Nixon, with music by Pat McLean and Head Love, and performed by Anna Crilly, Ben Crompton, Alistair Kerr, Pat McLean, Joanna Neary and Chris Sloman. This podcast was produced by Wife on Earth and is part of the Cosmic Shambles Network. <laughs>